0: The following podcast is sponsored by High Beam Ministry. What is prayer? Stale tradition? Ritual? A good luck charm? Part of some religious checklist done to appease a higher being so we can get what we want, or at least avoid the lightning bolt? Prayer has been redefined and twisted and confused. But at its essence, prayer is simply talking to God, the God who spoke the universe into creation, who gives us life and breath, who holds all things together. This God wants us to talk to him in the vastness of all that exists. He actually cares about us personally, individually. How can we not pray? To such a loving God.
1: Welcome to the Airzatz Coffee Shop. This is Jay, your Truth Barista, and I'm serving up a steamy cup of God's truth for the average Joe. You can catch me and this podcast on my websites, truthbarista.com, all one word, truthbarista.com, and highbeamministry.com. That's H-I-G-H-B-E-A-M ministry.com, as in car high We're shining the light of God's truth on the road ahead.
0: Truth Barista, you know, prayer is one of those mysteries to me because sometimes I can pray and boom, the answer is there and then at other times I pray, it's like heaven is just, you know, closed doors, closed windows, there's no response whatsoever, and I'm going, why the
1: difference? I share your exact same feelings. Prayer has never been my strong suit. I find it difficult to pray sometimes. You're right, there are times when it seems like, as they say, the the heavens are brass and the earth is an iron plate, and there's just a noisy ringing in between called me praying. But there have been times, you're right, when I've prayed and Some remarkable things have come about, and there have been times when I've been praying, and it's taken years, and then the prayer gets answered, and there's times when I've given up praying because things have seemed to have taken so long. So I came across a very interesting uh, parable that we should talk about. All
0: right. Okay, turn to
1: Luke 18. Oh,
0: I got it. Okay. Okay.
1: Now, one thing I need to put out right away on this one is that with every parable, There's one main point. That's generally, okay? Okay. There's one main point. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of applications you can later make. Sure. But there's one main point. So Luke 18, verse 1. He then told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not become discouraged. Here's the parable, verse 2. There was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect man. And a widow in that town kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. Or I could do that. Give me justice against my adversary. Oh, I like that one better. For a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, you know, even though I don't fear God or respect man, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. You know who that sounds like? Who? Thurston Howell Third. Oh my gosh, you <laughs> went back into the boneyard there. That, that was Gilligan's Island. All right. Hello, lovey. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, anyway, back to the verse. Then the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay to help them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find that faith on earth? Now, there's a lot of background material here that really opens this up. And it's a good story. We get the point.
0: Well, you said that every parable has a major point.
1: And the point of this parable is about perseverance in prayer. He says it right up front, that we ought to pray and not lose heart. The Holman Christian Standard Bible says to pray always and not get discouraged And David Stern's Jewish New Testament has a fun way of putting it. To impress on them, Jesus said this, that they must always keep praying and not lose heart. That they should always renew. That word new there means to renew their heart in prayer all the time. So what he's
0: saying is that you may not have an answer instantaneous for whatever
1: reason God has a choice of when he'll answer it. Exactly. You just keep praying. In other words, our lives should be a continuity of prayer. And all prayer is, is talking with God. Sometimes it it has requests. Sometimes it's just a conversation. Sometimes it's spilling our hearts before the Lord. It's really just a conversation, communication with God. So Jesus is saying, keep talking with your Father. And as for your requests, they'll eventually be answered and they'll be answered in his way at his time so just because you don't get it right away
0: hang in there sometimes i've been praying about a certain thing and and i've been praying for it for some time all of a sudden my attitude may change about that request
1: and the prayer changes that would be a secondary application to this parable that in the waiting period your prayer changes, and when you get to the right prayer that God wants to answer, then it's answered. That's a perfectly good application to this. So what Jesus is saying, regardless, keep going, keep asking. Okay, so let's set up the characters, and I like this. This is really fun. This is very typical rabbinic teaching. A rabbi will say, today's class is on this, now I'll give you the teaching through a story. So you have a judge and you have a widow. What's the point? The judge is a secular judge within the society. Now, what this means, the Jews were allowed to settle their own matters while they were under Roman rule. This judge is identified as a judge in the city and he neither feared God nor regarded man. Now, no doubt Jesus had his listeners nodding their heads at this point going, "Oh yeah. Oh yeah, under this Roman system, we certainly know judges like that. They they don't care about God and they don't give a rip about people. Oh yeah, we're there." So, this is what's unique because Jewish judges were required to fear God. there they were to respect him they were to follow his guidelines in the torah so obviously this judge didn't fear god and didn't care about his guidelines so he's really kind of a, a scoundrel if you want to put it that way an irreligious scoundrel and the evidence of the judge's ungodliness is he kept putting off the widow and we're going to see why that's so bad when we get to the widow the second thing it talks about is he didn't regard men now in the torah In God's law, it says, a judge is not to fear man. He is not to regard a person. In other words, don't be partial to people, whether they're rich or poor. That's a good thing then. Exactly. And in our day, you have some people saying, well, judges rule in favor of the rich. And there are others that say, well, why do judges regard the poor? The judge under the Torah is supposed to be indifferent to both sides, regardless of status, regardless of gender, regardless of power, you are to make a proper, righteous, ruling. But this judge goes way beyond that impartiality. He just doesn't give a rip about the needs of others or their opinion of him for doing so. He's kind of a self-serving judge. He's just going to do things his way. And this is the problem the widow is bumping up against. Okay, so let's talk about the widow. A widow in the Jewish society, by the way, this is in the hearer's heads right now. Mm -hmm. Jesus is kind of trying to resonate off of what they know. A widow here is described as Jewish. She's a Jewish widow. So now you have a secular judge versus a Jewish plaintiff. Oh, that's going to affect how he decides. Number two, she's a woman. Women weren't known for their status in a society, even though in first century Judaism, women were more protected. In most societies of that day, women are way down on the totem pole while men were up at the top. So now you have the man versus woman. Do you see him kind of setting up a dichotomy here? And then you have the widow, she's described. The judge has the power, widows don't because they don't have a husband who will stand with them. So here the stage is set. You have a secular judge, who is a man and he's got the power versus a Jewish woman who is powerless.
0: I think that's great. What a great dichotomy. Power versus powerless. Exactly. Sometimes we see that in our society today as well. Oh,
1: that's a big complaint in our society today. And you know something I like the way the Torah puts it. Don't respect because of power, gender, or any of these things. You give a righteous ruling. And that's what we should be going for with our judges. So now Jesus has set the stage in the parable. Why would a secular judge who didn't care about God, who was unconcerned about the needs of others and didn't care about their opinion of him, why would he be bothered by a defenseless, insignificant, powerless Jewish woman? There's the scenario. This is the essence of rabbinic teaching. They use exaggeration to drive home their point. In other words, what Jesus is saying is the Jewish widow hasn't got a snowball's chance in Sheol to get the judge to act on her behalf, much less act in her favor. It's perfect. I mean, a movie could be
0: made of this, you know, where the powerful have everything going for them and the powerless have nothing yet. The powerless actually moves the powerful.
1: Yes, and that's his point. How does she get him to move and how does she get him to move? Well, she just becomes a (laughs) nag. She is a pest. Okay, so here's the obstacle. She wants vindication against an adversary, somebody who has done her wrong. Okay so she this proves the judges ungodliness she's bringing a legal case to him but because of this his ungodliness he just blows her off he's kind of violating the law and setting aside his God-given legal responsibility, but that's what the powerful do. They marginalize
0: people. They don't care if you don't have a name or you don't have money or anything like that.
1: The powerful don't care. <laughs> but she does have power. She has the power of the nudnik. <laughs> Ooh, that's a new word. We should probably look
0: into that that term, nudnik, because that's a that's an interesting word. But I think I need something like caffeine to help me understand some of these things that we're talking about. Truth Barista, every week we talk about things that are so important. But we want our audience to know that, you know, there's a cost to this stuff. Your education, your time that you develop around a theme, and you help people understand it at a deeper level. I mean, we really would like people to like us on Facebook. Or we'd like people to further our conversations through their social media. And we
1: also want them to help support us. High Beam Ministry has a lot to offer all sorts of people. Just go to the website, highbeamministry.com, and we've got the podcast, but we also have resources like some Bible study notes we're producing on the book of Daniel and the Feasts of the Lord. We also have tremendous blog articles that we share and all sorts of additional resources for people. In fact, we have a page for news and great articles that are out there that people would find of interest, current events that relate to the Bible, fascinating topics of where we're at prophetic because I like that kind of stuff, so I put that up there. We have a lot of resources, encourage everybody to go to highbeamministry.com. Truth Racer, we're meeting a need
0: because there is a lack of good Bible teaching and good themes that never get mentioned. And so we're mentioning them. We're diving into the Bible and that's our source. It is the Bible, not our doctrine or our church doctrine or whatever, it's the Bible. And that's where you can really get a lot of help in your spiritual
1: growth. And what we like to do is to take those Bible truths and apply them in real time with the struggles that we have as individuals, the struggles you may be facing. So we need your financial support to keep this ministry rolling. More than just the podcast, we need your support to keep the ministry rolling so we can do this full-time, produce this content for you that will strengthen you in your Christian walk and give you answers for the questions that come up day to day. So where do people go to get
0: more information and how to give and how to find more articles and more podcasts?
1: Go to High Beam Ministry, as in car high beams, highbeamministry.com. Look for the donate button on the webpage. If you want to contact us through email, it's highbeamministry at gmail.com, all one word, highbeamministry at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, we'd love your suggestions, we'd love your comments, we'd Really, though, also love to have you support us.
0: This is The Truth Barista, your link to how God defines our day. So, Truth Barista, you've been talking about a name that I think probably most people don't know. Nudnik. I mean, what is that? Like a beatnik? Or yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, it's it's actually a Yiddish term, and Yiddish is a combination of Hebrew and Eastern European and Slavic languages, and they all kind of got lumped together. I love Yiddish. It's got some great terminology to it. So I'm, let's go through some of these. What works for this woman in this particular situation, verse 5, Yet because this woman keeps pestering me, there you go, I will give her justice so she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. This is the definition of a nudnik. So, Yiddish, a nudnik in Yiddish is someone who persistently bores, as in B-O-R-E, as drills a hole, pesters, or nags, as in this. It doesn't stop with the talking, the asking, and the annoying till you want to staple his lips together. That's a nudnik. Now, by the way, the most famous nudnik phrase in history, well documented, by the way, on cave walls is this. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? That is a nudnik, right? A nudnik is usually used for adults who usually constantly bother you Mm. with questions or demands. Now, we can't uh, confuse the nudnik with the potzer which is someone who gives unwanted advice, okay? It's like, man, what a potzer. I'm sitting here looking at my house, thinking what I do. And my next-door neighbor, what a potzer, comes over, keeps telling me, well, you know, if you just put on this kind of roof, what a potzer. Okay, that's not a nudnik. And we can't confuse a nudnik with a nudge. You know what a nudge is? No, what's a nudge? A nudge is a nudge, that's where you get the word nudge from. Somebody who kind of tries to give you a little push and Ooh. might do it only once or more or consistently. It's just, they're not nagging you. They're just kind of, it's a, a little nudge to get you going. What a nudge, right? So a nudnik, by the way, is a nudge on steroids. Okay, a nudnik is a kvetch, someone who complains all the time. Okay, that kind of intensity. Now you got your whole Yiddish dictionary to work mm. on this week. Wow. Okay, so the nudnik is a pest and People know what it's like to be pestered, right? It's annoying, it's irritating. Anyone with small kids knows what a nudnik is, right? Are we there yet? Are they... And you know, a kid who is a nudnik, it's like a titanium drill on their, <laughs> on, on their will, right? Mm. It takes a titanium spine to resist that titanium drill, right? It's a fact of life, by the way, that persistence usually pays off. One side or the other is going to eventually buckle. And by the way... I used to be a school bus driver. Did I ever tell you that? I think you did, yes. Okay, I uh-huh. am a school bus driver par excellence. Not only do I have mad driving skills, but I could outlast any nudnik kid on my bus. They Seriously? Would ju- y'all, we'd get into these, yes, it is, no, it isn't, yes, it is, no, it isn't, yes, it is, no, it isn't. And I'd look at the kid and I'd say, you can keep this up. But he says, I've been driving school bus for a number of years. I can wear down any kid on my bus. I never lost an argument with a kid hmm. because I'm a nudnik. Okay, so back to the parable. In this parable, the only weapon the widow has at her disposal was her persistence, and she used it well. She kept boring into the judge, and the emphasis, by the way, in the Greek here is on... The word bothering. Oh, she didn't just bother him. She really bothered him day after day, hour after hour, post-it note after post-it note, texts and messages and emails and showing up at his office and banging on his door. I mean, this this lady was nuclear nudnik right here. Okay. And finally, the judge throws up his hands and he says, she's not giving up. This woman is such a nutnik, she's gonna wear me out. She did more than wear him out. She wore his resistance down Mm. and she got her vindication. So isn't that just delightfully colorful? Well, it is colorful
0: because the powerful gave in to the powerless because of the persistence that she had in her heart, knowing that her cause was justified.
1: Now, with every parable, there is usually a type and an Mm anti-type. So at the type here is the judge and the widow, in reality, Jesus is teaching the truth. It's not about a judge and a widow. It's about God and us because that's the point of the parable for his disciples to keep praying and not give up like the widow. So what is he trying to teach them? He's using an argument called a lesser to the greater argument. And you'll see this all over Jesus' teachings. If it applies in a lesser case, it most certainly will apply in a greater case. And that can be reversed. If it applies in a greater case, it most certainly will apply in a lesser case. So Jesus has set the scenario saying this, if the judge who is unjust refuses to respond to this woman until she nags him to death but will eventually give in, how much more will God respond to your prayers when you persist in asking him because he's righteous, because he's merciful, because he loves his people? He is the exact opposite opposite of the judge so he will respond eventually to your prayers.
0: So I know that you probably don't agree with this but I'm gonna say it anyway it almost seems like there is a test here of whether or not we are really gonna trust God Because, you know, if you go, say, for example, as a sales guy or gal, and you go to a client and you knock on the door and you get turned away once, maybe even turned away twice, you don't go back again because you figure, well, it's going to be the same result. Well, here, your determination is that I'm not going to give up come hell or high water, as they say. Mm -hmm. I'm going to knock. I'm going to seek. I'm going to ask until I get my answer. I mean, that is
1: kind of soulish, right? It's just not going to be deterred for anything. Right. Well, it's not necessarily soulish in a bad sense. No. In fact, when you look at Jesus's teachings on prayer, you see the same encouragement to pray in the first place and to keep praying once you pray. So, For example, Matthew 6, 5, Jesus is teaching his disciples when you pray. He's not saying if you pray, it's when you pray. The expectation is a disciple will talk to God and will listen to him and will bring his requests and these, you will, as a disciple, pray. The parable of the Nudnik also is like Luke 11 where the guy knocks on the guy's door at night, his neighbor's door, and says, hey, I have guests that came over. I, I don't have any food in my pantry. You got a little bread to share? Well, that particular parable is powerful because of the hospitality factor. It was required of a neighbor to help a neighbor out, especially if, in order to fulfill the obligation for hospitality. If he didn't help his neighbor show hospitality, it was a smear on his name in the town. So in that particular verse, it's the persistence that calls into account the neighbor's name. In other words, God says, why will I answer your prayer? because I promise to answer your prayer. And if I don't answer your prayer, and I don't fulfill my own word, then that's a smear on my name, and I will not let that happen.
0: So really, we're, we're talking about this persistence, and, and when it comes to the example of us and God, there's this persistence, and we're persistent because we believe God will answer. But then Jesus ends this whole thing by saying, but will the Son of Man find faith on earth when he returns? That seems to be counterproductive to what he's trying to teach here.
1: Right, and this is reflective of a similar verse in Luke 11 that I just referenced. Let me put it into the Greek verb tenses, okay? So I say to you, keep asking and it will be given to you. Keep searching and you'll find. Keep knocking and the door will be open to you. Ask, seek, knock. This is Jesus' teaching on a long term commitment, a lifestyle of continually asking, seeking, and knocking. In other words, pursuing God. That's the point. Okay, so let's just say people are seeking and searching and knocking, but
0: why does he say at the very end, will he find faith? Because it takes faith to ask, seek, and knock,
1: right? This is very interesting because this goes to the one phrase he uses there, son of man. Now, have you ever kind of been tempted to give up asking God because of a delay? Absolutely. Okay, how about when you're praying under stress Well, it's even worse. Yeah, because that delay just gets intensified. It seems, I mean, a few seconds can seem to be like days, weeks, hours when you're under stress. And then I get mad at him. Exactly. So when Jesus is saying when the Son of Man comes, we know when the Son of Man comes. According to Jesus himself, the Son of Man comes at the end of this terrible time on earth the transition between human dominion and the messianic kingdom, when all hell is breaking loose on earth. And he goes, when the Son of Man comes, will there be anybody that is trusting me enough or trusting his Father enough to be talking to him? Mm. He's saying, you need to settle it now to build a lifestyle of pursuing God and hanging tight with him as demonstrated by your communication and your prayer to him. Otherwise, when the stress hits the fan, if you in the most worst situations, are you going to bail on God? Oh, that's good. Or are you going to hang in there until your deliverance comes? Think of the widow. What's she saying? Give me vindication against my adversary. We have an adversary on earth. It's Satan, and it's his both spiritual and physical servants. And on our life on earth, we are attacked by these things throughout our lives and in various situations. So Jesus is saying, if this pursuit of God applies back here in ordinary human life, in the times when it get really tough, even the worst of times on earth, are there going to be people who will hang in there, showing their trust in God, by continuing to ask and seek and knock in the worst of times. That's very insightful, you know,
0: because the Satan, our enemy, is constantly wearing us out. In fact, when I talk to some of the people that come into the coffee house, a lot of them, you know, they're they're kind of happy that their lives are okay, but they don't talk about faith a lot. Mm-mm. They don't talk about you know trusting God for you know small or great things. It's all about
1: the blessings they've received, but faith is not a big topic. No, it's not. In fact, this kind of brings to mind a guy that I knew. The entire church was praying for his wife because she had terminal cancer, and there were people who went a bit too far, and they assumed things when they shouldn't have. And this is why I think we always need to continue to pursue God, but not say, this is how you will answer this prayer, God. You have to take it as it comes because God knows what's best. Okay, we have to trust him. Well, they said, oh, God is going to, I, in prayer I got that God is going to heal your wife. Well, she died. And as a result of that, he hasn't talked to God a whole lot. His spiritual life kind of went downhill. He became a doubter. He became very sour, and he became rather a, a burr in the, under the pastor's saddle because of this, uh, even to the point where even in services, he would throw doubts in the middle of a sermon. It was really rude, actually. It also reminds me of the movie Independence Day. Because at the point when all of the earth is under this huge alien attack, you have this elderly Jewish guy who sits down and speaks to his son, who, by the way, solves the transmission uh, code. And he goes, you know, you may be surprised. I haven't talked to God for years. See, and a lot of people have that kind of an attitude because God hasn't delivered on time, excuse me, hasn't delivered on their time. He hasn't delivered in their way. And what Jesus is teaching is, on time or your way doesn't matter. What matters is that it's God's timing in God's way, but you will get your answer and you will be vindicated. So in a way, it's like Winston Churchill said.
0: Never give in, never give in, never, never, never. In nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense, never yield to force, Never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy.
1: Now, this is also very important because Jesus, when he uses the Son of Man language, you're talking a period of time when Jesus said many will lose their lives because of their stand for him. And he's going, you know something, whether you're alive and under persecution or you have been killed because of your faith in me, don't worry you will be vindicated when the Son of Man returns. That's the resurrection of the dead and the return of the faithful to earth with Jesus. So really, he's saying, The vindication here is even in the extreme. You'll either be vindicated in this life, and I'll answer your prayer, or you'll be vindicated in the next life when the Messianic kingdom
0: comes in. So it'll be answered one way or the other.
1: Exactly.
0: I think this is an appropriate parable because, you know, I've been asking for a raise
1: for a long time. What? What's that you said? I didn't hear you. You have to talk up a little lot. What? What? I think we have some lunch customers over here. <laughs> well, I,
0: I am not going to give up. This has inspired me to keep going and keep asking, keep
1: knocking, and keep seeking. You know, we've had a lot of fun with this, but really it strikes close to home, doesn't it? Because how many people, how many parents are praying for their children who have not come to the Lord or have been with the Lord but have walked away? How many people are praying for a loved one who's really struggling with a health issue? How many people are faced with an absolute deluge of bills and all of their money is drained away and there's no hope? How about the person who needs a new job trapped in a dead-end job? How about people who are under persecution? These are all things that are going on in our lives. Anything that we find ourselves under threat from those things. We need to pray about each and every one of those things. And the good news on this parable is that Jesus is saying, yes, bring it all, bring it often, bring it all the time, because eventually you will have God step in and make a ruling on your behalf and it will be done. This is Jay, your Truth Barista. Thanks for listening to the Truth Barista Podcast. The best way to find out when a new podcast drops is through your favorite podcast stream. The Truth Barista Podcast is streamed via 10, count them, 10, different podcast streams, Amazon Podcasts, Apple iTunes Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Radio Public, the RSS Feed, Simplecast spotify stitcher and tune in radio you can go to our website truthbarista.com hover over the icons and pick your favorite podcast stream thanks for listening